Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Jerry with the message. So we're in the middle of our series. Derek started our series last week, and it's named Called. And so we're talking about calling, and I think that goes really well if you've been here for the last few weeks. What we started out the year talking about was a change of heart. And what we really believe is true is that it's not enough for us just to change our behavior, to decide that we just want to be different than we were last year, so we're going to start doing things differently, that in order for us to maintain and sustain change, that God has to change our hearts. We can't just do things differently. We need our hearts to be changed so that we can continue to sustain something different. We need to be transformed. And as we're transformed, as God changes our hearts, we begin to experience what we would call calling. Really what's happening as we offer our lives to Jesus is that we are joining him in bringing his kingdom here on earth. And so as he sort of invites us into that, we begin to sense some stirring around where that might be or what it is that we might be able to do in the kingdom. And we would call that calling. Calling is a big word. That's all it means, is that God is sort of asking you, inviting you into this space of bringing the kingdom in this way. And so a year ago, about a year ago, I saw this picture of a river, and it was a winding river. It snaked around, and it was going a certain direction on the page, but there were so many twists and turns. It sort of looped back around itself sometimes, and sometimes it was sort of straight, but then it would turn back around. It was always going one direction, but the twists and turns were massive, such that if you were on one side of the turn, you wouldn't have been able to see what was on the other side of the turn. And as I looked at this picture, I just sensed God in my heart saying, this is your life. And I think we all would say, if we live life very long, maybe not baby Eloise doesn't know this yet, but most of us know that that's sort of how life goes. We would love it, If we got from point A to point B, straight line. That's what we all want, right? That's not generally how our life goes. There are things that are unexpected um, and unprecedented and that we couldn't have imagined would happen to us, right? If COVID has not taught us anything, it's that. That there are things that we can't expect that might happen. And so as I looked at this river, God said, this is your life, and I know where we're going. I know what's around the bend. I know when there's a sharp turn. I know when there are times for you to just rest and when there's not. And would you trust me to be the boat to hold you and be the guide to lead you? Would you just trust me that I know where we're going and I know what you need, but you don't? And so I think that's a picture for most of our lives. And I think there are times for me, as I look back, when I sense God telling me on the river of life to paddle hard, 
There are times when I sense there's something that I really need to work at and make happen and do. Parents' night out is one of those things. So I was talking with Abby before God even called her to be in charge of the kids' ministry program here. As we were talking and dreaming about what we felt like we wanted and we sensed God was calling this church to be in the community, we were just dreaming about coming alongside families and loving on kids and giving parents a break. And really a big part of that is that we want all kids to be welcome here. Kids that maybe experience the world in a different way than other kids. Kids that maybe would be considered the bad kids or the hard kids. We want them to find the love of Jesus here. And so we were just dreaming about that. And then God called her to be the kids ministry head, um, which was amazing. He loves me. Um, And so as we began to think about what it looks like for us to move into that, we really sensed, Abby and I both, okay, we have to make this happen, like it's time. We need to paddle hard, we need to make this happen, we need to work at this and make it a thing. And when that happened, we didn't know if we would have volunteers. We didn't know if there'd be people who come alongside us. We didn't know if kids would even show up. But we sensed that God was saying, hey, it's time. Do the thing and get it ready. And so I'll just say that from our first parents' night out, which was two months ago, we had 30 kids. This past Friday, we had 60. We doubled in size. And there were tons of volunteers who I think had a good time. It's work, but I think we all had fun. And so many kids benefited, and I think it's just going to continue to grow. But we didn't know that when God was telling us to paddle hard. So there have also been times in my life when I really just sense it's time for me to just sort of float, that there's not a sharp turn, and I can just sort of enjoy the scenery. I get a really special vantage point as a pastor, and I think leaders do, where you, can, you know people's lives, and you can just watch God work in their lives. And that's a beautiful thing. There are times when I'm just called to watch and get excited about what God's doing, not to paddle hard, but to rest, to take care of my family, and just be with him. And then there are other times when there are things coming up, and God sort of whispers in my ear, hey, watch what I'm about to do. It's going to be really cool. Just watch. He builds this anticipation in me to watch what he's going to do in people's lives, and that's such a joy and a gift. And I think our lives work best, I know that our lives work best, when God gets to tell us, when he gets to be in control and in charge, and he tells us what we should be doing, how we should be moving forward. But if I'm being really honest, there are times in my life when God whispers in my ear what's coming next, and I think, okay, I know how to get there, no problem, I can do that. And so I start to think about, okay, well, what are the risks that I might face going there? And I start to make my plan, and I start to make my list, but God has not told me to paddle hard. There are times when God tells me where we're going, and I decide, I don't think it's, I think my motivation is pure. I don't think it's intentionally, but I start getting ready for the things. I want to hedge my bets and make sure we get there. You know, I've, I've experienced some things. I can think back and make a good plan. And so there are times when God's telling me what we're doing, and I think that I'm supposed to be the one doing it. Does that resonate with anyone? 
And what I would say about those times is that, that I'm very overwhelmed <laughs> when that happens, and often not a nice lady. Has anyone ever been whitewater rafting? I know some of you have. Yes. How many of you had had the thought when you were whitewater rafting that you might die? Just the thought. Yes. Thank you. I think, it, I think it probably comes into our minds often if we're whitewater rafting. But the fact of the matter is you're a thousand times more likely to die in a car accident than a whitewater rafting accident. A thousand times more likely. But we get in cars all the time. Um, and I would say that I have been invited on whitewater rafting trips. I have never and will never <laughs> be on a whitewater rafting trip. And here's why. I know that I have zero control over nature, that it's going to do what it wants, and to some degree, it does not matter what I do, it is going to do what it wants, right? And I think that's why we have this thought that we might die in a whitewater rafting trip, even though it's very unlikely that we would. It's because we recognize that actually we're not super in control of this situation, right? I think we all know the water can't control the water, right? And so I think in these situations where we feel out of control, we get really scared and we get really worried and concerned. And when you go whitewater rafting, I did a little bit of research, just a little because, again, I'm never going to go. But um, there are six classes of rapids. There's class one. Class one sounds like Canoe Creek. Like, it's maybe a little bit of moving water, but not anything really crazy. And then it goes all the way to class six, which is like, you're probably going to die if you do this. <laughs> I assume, of course, that they're all class six. And so as we walk with God, he grows us, right? We're still thinking about the river of life. When we start out with God, many people's experience is that they experience tremendous peace. That's something that I've heard time and time again. I feel peace like I've never felt before. And he sort of walks alongside us, and very often the decisions that we have to make in the beginning, he tells us what to do, and it's clear. Or we have people around us who can guide us and help us. But as we walk with Jesus, day after day, year after year, those decisions sometimes get a little bit harder and trickier. And there are more obstacles. Maybe the rapids get a little higher. And I think that's generally the way things go. But I think for some of us, even before we met Jesus, we live in class six rapids. That there are things that make us feel really out of control. And there are ways that we feel like maybe we've been set up for failure. Maybe our family is such that they couldn't teach us how to live well. And there was maybe abuse or things that happened to us as maybe we were in a relationship where we were abused. And maybe thing after thing happened to you, trauma, and you learn that in order to be safe, you have to take control. And maybe that was really true when you were growing up, that you had to think ahead about what was coming because it could be anything. And so what happens when we live in those situations is we learn that to be out of control is dangerous. That to be vulnerable 
and not prepared is dangerous. How many of you would say that maybe that's something that's ingrained in your story, this need to be in control? I would say that's something that I sort of have had ingrained in my story, whether because of the way things that happened or the way I perceive things that happen, I, in my very natural way of being, tend to think that I need to have a list and a plan and I need to measure the risks and figure it out. I've learned that, I had learned that vulnerability can be dangerous, that people can sometimes use that to their advantage against you. And so when I, in my very natural state, think about the twists and turns of life, I want a map. I want to know what's coming, and I want to sit down and think, okay, what could be ahead? Let me pack my bag. Let me get my bag here, and I'm just going to think of all the things I might need. And I'll start packing them in there, just pack all the things. And it's heavy, but I put this bag on my back. It's heavy, but I'm strong, and I can carry it. And I'll be fine because I have all the things that I need. And I'm not going to take anyone with me because they could be a liability. Just going to do all of this myself and be in control and I'm ready. And that sometimes can seem really smart. But the truth is that it's pride. That what we're really saying is that I know best how to live my life. I know better than everyone else, so I can't take anyone with me. And I even know better than God. So I'm going to pack my own bag, put it on my back, and set out alone. But to me, and I think to the rest of us, as I think about the twists and turns of that river picture that I was looking at, God is asking us, let me hold you up. Let me be the guide and the one to lead you. You don't have to do it all yourself because when you do, it doesn't go the way it's supposed to go. And so today we're going to talk about the fact that in order to sustain calling in our lives, in order to fulfill and sustain calling in our lives, we need to walk with humility before God, trusting that he can be the one to hold us up and that he can be the one to lead us. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge that you are moving and active here today. Lord, I pray that you would touch each heart. God, I pray that you would get behind the things that we put up, the distractions to keep you at bay or to keep others at bay and not let you in. God, would you touch our hearts this morning and speak to us? In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 14 through 23. Danny's so good. And it says, Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, See, 
An evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the spirit of God, that's the evil spirit, came upon Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. So the first thing I want to address here, the first thing that I read that jumps out at me whenever I read this is probably the first thing that jumped out at you. And maybe some of you were so taken aback that you didn't even hear the rest of what I said. But in that first verse, it says, now the, evil, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. And that just doesn't even sound right. Am I right? An evil, <laughs> I see some head nods like, what are you talking about? An evil spirit from the Lord. It's pretty crazy. And so I want to talk about that a little bit before we move on. Some backstory. When Saul was chosen as king earlier on in 1 Samuel, God's spirit comes on Saul, and it says that he, in chapter 10, verse 9, Saul, as Saul turned to leave Samuel after his anointing, God gave him a new heart. So the spirit of the Lord came on Saul for the purpose of being king. Further down, it says, almost immediately... Saul starts prophesying. It says, when all who knew him before saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, what has come over the son of Kish? So when Saul is anointed, God comes on him, God's spirit comes on him, and he is zapped, changed into a different person, such that the people who knew him before were like, what is going on over there? That's not the guy we knew before. So God's spirit comes on Saul for a purpose and changes him completely. He's a different man. And I think some of us have experienced some of that zap from God. And so what we see here is that he's completely different for the purpose of being king. And then if we fast forward a little bit, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul then disobeys God. God tells Saul to destroy the Amalekites and all their animals. And Saul decides, well, I probably don't have to destroy them. I can just take the king as hostage, and I'll destroy all the worst animals, the weak animals, the ones that are no good, but the strong animals I will just keep. But God told him to destroy them all. And I think that happens to us sometimes when we think that, when we've been changed, but we think that people aren't looking. We think, well, maybe I can just 
sort of make sure, secure my position, right? I think deep down somewhere, Saul knew he didn't really belong there, right? And he was securing his position. He thought, I'll take the best animals and I'll make myself a little more wealthy. It'll be fine. I'll mostly do what God has asked me to do. And so Saul, in a moment, decides that he can be the captain of the ship. That God has gotten him this far, and he can mostly do what God wants, but he can sort of, maybe it's, there's a little discussion there. Maybe I can sort of do what's best for me. Maybe God hadn't thought about the fact that actually these animals would benefit me, so I'll just take them for myself. But God is looking for a king who will lead as he would lead. God is not looking for a king who would mostly do what he's asked him to do. And so God's spirit leaves Saul because of that, because of the disobedience. And when God's spirit leaves, that leaves room for other things to come in, right? And God allows this to happen, that evil spirit, an evil spirit would come and torment Saul. So that's where we're at. Saul was changed for the purpose of being king. He decided he would do things his own way. God's spirit left Saul, and really I think Saul just went back to who he was before, before the spirit came, before God's spirit came. So here we are. Saul refuses to move in humility and instead takes control. And because of that, he's unable to fulfill the calling that God has placed on his life. Calling is something that God does to and through you, but it is not for you. I think that's a nuance that we sort of need to get. And we can just juxtapose Saul, who did things sort of his own way, and David, who is really in this whole story passive. Not at any moment does David try to take control of what he's doing. But Saul thinks, well, this calling is maybe for me a little bit. Maybe I'll do what I can with this calling. But God is doing things for his own purposes. And when he calls us, it's for us to work with him in his kingdom. Not that we would build our own. I think it's easy for us to think, okay, God's on my side now. And that's not all the way wrong. But the fact of the matter is we are on God's side now. And there's things that he does for his children because he loves them. And so we have Saul who does things his own way. And then we have David. Like I said, the whole way through this story, he's been a passive participant. We read in the beginning of 1 Samuel last week when David was anointed king, when Derek was talking about that, he wasn't even invited to the celebration that they were having, right? They didn't even think to invite him. And so Samuel goes through all the sons of Jesse and says, is there another one? He's still out doing his job. And really, tending the sheep was not a high responsibility. People looked down on people who were tending the sheep. And so we see they go and get David and bring him in. He's anointed king. And then he goes back to tending the sheep. And what he could do, you know, if you think, man, he probably has a low position in his family. He's the youngest. He's the one who tends the sheep. 
He was not invited to the sacrifice. If that were me, I might walk around with a little bit of a huff. Like, did you hear what Samuel said? Like, I'm, I'm the next king. Why are you treating me this way? Or, I don't want to go. Somebody else, one of you, go tend the sheep. I'm the king. And I think we have a tendency to do that. But that's not at all what David did. David went back to work. He was anointed king, and he went back to work. But God's spirit was on him. In what we just read, chapter 16, verse 18, it says that Saul's friends decide that when Saul starts feeling bad because of this evil spirit, that they're going to find someone to come and play for him to make him feel better. Verse 18 says, One of the young men answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a warrior, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. The Lord is with him. And so although David is in the pasture tending sheep, somebody in the palace knows about him. His reputation precedes him because the Lord's spirit was on him. So they send for David. David at no point is grasping for power. God goes ahead of David and prepares a way for him to come into the palace. And I think to myself, when David recognizes that he's been sent for, what is he thinking? Is he like, okay, I've been tending the sheep, and now it's my time. I'm going to the palace. I'm already anointed the king. It's time for me to be king. Maybe. Maybe that's what he's thinking. But David shows up in the palace, and what does he do? He serves Saul, who is the king. He goes underneath the leadership of Saul and just serves, just does what he's called to do in the moment. At no time does David take what God has promised to be his. He waits. He lets God call the shots. He walks in humility, serving God and serving Saul, not needing to take control of the situation. And what David said last week, if you've ever been a leader under the authority of another leader, and you're watching and you see that this leader is not doing things the way that you would like them to do, there's something in us that sort of bucks that. And really, from this point on, Saul's life is just a mess. He gets more and more sporadic, more and more um, paranoid. But, but David just serves him until it's time to do something else. And because of that, David is called a man after God's heart. And don't get me wrong. If you read a little bit further, you'll see that David also messes it up a little bit. But what we see throughout David's life is that he's marked with this heart that wants to serve God, that is remorseful and repentant when he's called to it. And because of that, because David is able to walk in humility before God, his calling is secured. And not even just his, but even throughout his family, the calling is secured because of that, because of the difference of being able to walk in humility before God and deciding that you want to control and call the shots. And so maybe you are someone who senses that God is calling you to a particular thing. 
And when we talk about calling, you think, I think I sort of know what that is. I think I sort of know what God's calling me to do. Maybe God is calling you to your specific job. I think we absolutely get called to be teachers or nurses or doctors or janitors or whatever. That we can bring the kingdom of God wherever we go and that God calls us to specific things. And so maybe you know what that is or you have some sort of feeling. Or maybe you're on the flip side of that. Maybe you're a student and you're just trying to get through these classes that they say you have to take and you're trying to pass. Or maybe you're a parent and you're just trying to raise kids up who sort of know Jesus and don't get it all wrong, who still love you when they're adults. Maybe you're in the thick of it. But in either of those situations, God wants to be in control. And God has specific roles for each of us. Some of those are like a lifelong calling. Some of those are vocations, things that we'll do throughout our life. But some of those are temporary. Some of those have just a a short amount of time. As I think about the roles that I have, I think I'll pastor people all my days. And really, when I look back, I think I have been pastoring them all my days. But when I think about my role as a mom, that's going to change as my kids get older. They only live in my house for a short amount of time. And so there are things that change and things that are constant. But regardless, God has ways for each of us to bring his kingdom here, ways that we can get behind what he's already doing and join him. And so our job is to walk in humility before him, letting him call the shots, even in the confusion of it all, even when we're not sure what the calling is, and especially when we are sure what the calling is. Our job is to move slowly and let him do what he wants to do through us. Never taking a hold of it for our own, never using it for our own purposes. Walking with God and letting him be the one to hold us, the boat to hold us, and the guide to lead us. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.